What a job by our worship team. Let's give a round of applause to our Lord. Thank you, Alan, for leading us in worship this morning. It is now time for Children's Church. If you are pre-K through third grade and would like to go hear the gospel in your language, you can go with Miss Hope this morning. It is spring break, and we're glad that you came here this morning to hear uh, the word of the Lord and to worship together with the saints. What a joy it is and privilege it is to be here uh, some of you may not know that uh, Miss, Mr. Milford J is 98 years old, and uh, I hope I didn't give anything away there by giving your age, but brother, you are a blessing of God to us, and we appreciate you attending every week. <clears throat> Thank you for your faithfulness to come and be a part of what God is doing here and to attend every week. And just as Alan said earlier, we are gifted to give, aren't we? And uh, sure was a gift this morning to hear from you. And sure is a gift anytime uh, we can exercise what God has given to us and encourage our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and we're kind of closing our series today. Um, on gifted to give as we'll end this section of scripture here in chapter 11 if we have been moving our way through these list of gifts and understanding uh, what they are and how diverse they are amen how diverse the gifts are in the body of Christ as God chooses to show himself through you, his church. Amen? <clears throat> so we've talked about how the spirit is a speaking spirit. And he declares Jesus is Lord through his people and through his church. So it's no surprise that this morning that we're going to talk about the spirit speaking again. And the Spirit is speaking praise and prayer unto God in different languages. What we would call tongues, right? But it's no surprise to us that God would do this because, why? Because he is a God of all nations, is he not? The gifts of God are by his grace displaying the character and nature of God himself through the Holy Spirit as they are manifestations of the Spirit. And we see God perfectly displayed through Christ. And now... God displays himself through the body of Christ, the church, by the Holy Spirit according to his plan and his will, as we'll see this morning. The wisdom of God on display, the knowledge of God, the faithfulness of God, our God, he is healer. He is the miracle-working God. He is the God who reveals himself. He is the God who discerns between spirits. And this morning, we see that he is the God of all languages and all peoples. 
And yet he is still the God of order and intelligible speech in which we'll talk about the interpretation of tongues this morning. The gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. Interesting topic, amen? The Greek word glossa, translated tongue, not only meant to be the physical body part tongue in someone's mouth, but also it means language. And as we study this passage together, may we be reminded that Christ has different been given Christ has given his church differing gifts to build up the body of Christ and we should come before one another humbly as we seek Christ together, as we study these gifts together. So may God give us a wisdom and grace as we delve into what some would say a highly debated topic this morning. The tongues, interpretation of tongues, and we're going to finish in verse 11. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. We're going to go start in verse 4 and read all the way through 11, but we'll be dealing with 10 and 11 this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. And then we get to this morning. To another various kinds of tongues to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You can be seated. Let's pray for our text this morning. Father, we thank you that you have given the gift of languages that we may praise our God and King and Lord Throughout the earth. Lord, we thank you for your word and the power to speak to our lives. We pray that you would speak this morning into our lives. We pray that you would stir us up, Father, toward love and good works towards one another as we continue to live our life for the glory of God. Father, we pray that we would be the church that you want us to be, that we would be collectively on mission together, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit to do your work your way. Father, we, we know that we can do nothing apart from you. Therefore, Father, we humbly come before you asking that you would do the work, not us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've got a graphic for you this morning, and it shows uh, the number of people groups on the face of the earth. This is uh, most scholars and people who study the nations of the earth. 
claim that there are about 17,443 people groups on the face of the earth, distinct from one another. And that how they define people groups is by their language, by their culture. So in Thailand, we would go uh, to a village and it would be distinctly different language than the village next to it. The people looked the same. They had uh, the, the same main uh, commerce language that they would speak. But in their home, they spoke a different language. That's two different people groups. They're not the same people group. Why? Because they spoke a different language. They come from different heritage, different backgrounds. They settled in the same place, but they're from different people groups. And so for us to reach people groups, they have these categories called unreached, minimally reached. I don't know if you can see this. Superficially reached, partially reached, and significantly reached. So 18.9%, 19% of the world's population of people groups has been significantly reached. That's that bottom line, that dark green letter. The top one is the unreached people group. And that is the largest group on the earth. That is 7,425 people groups, meaning they have less than 2% gospel witness. Less than 2%, the reason why they derive from that number is because if they have less than 2%, that means they're unable to reach their entire population. They don't have the resources and the churches and the people who believe in the gospel in their own language to be able to reach their own people group. And that's where missions comes in as you go across the culture. So people who don't speak the language, who don't know your culture, who don't understand that you actually go into the culture with the gospel. There, uh, Wycliffe says there are about 700, um, 700 languages in which the Bible has been translated. And there's many, many more in which need to be translated. But 700 translations of the Bible into different languages. So the, the, bottom, the bottom portion is the total population around eight billion people, 42% or 3.3 billion people on the face of the earth live in unreached peoples. That means they don't have access to the gospel. Large majority of these people groups are in what we would call the 1040 window. You can put the second slide up there. You see where the red dots are Those are unreached peoples. You see where we are. We have some unreached peoples in America, small little red dots, but they are uh, mainly immigrants or pockets, if you will, as some of them have come to America, you know, from Afghanistan or wherever. Now you have most of that in this, what they call the 1040 window which you have that huge section of red in what we would call India, 
one of the most densely populated places on the face of the earth. And many, many different people groups and languages are spoken there. So you can see where most of the missionaries that we send are going. They're going to the Arab-speaking world, the Muslim world, and they're going to India, Hindu, Buddhist world. Uh, if you if you go right into Southeast Asia, there's a place called Thailand there. That's where me and my wife went when we were sent with the International Mission Board. I say this to say one thing. In the world in which God created, he created it to have one language. There was originally one language. After the world was destroyed once by the flood in the days of Noah, because of the wickedness of humanity, the wickedness of God's creation upon the earth, God said, I'm doing away with that. I'm going to only rest my spirit for 120 years upon man. There was one family, eight people in all, Noah and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, And they had a restart, right? They restarted after God had wiped out his creation. They restarted with the animals and their family. But pretty soon, the same thing would happen. Humanity and the wickedness and sin would be built up. And again, this time, man said, we're going to build, we're not going to scatter around the face of the earth like God has said and designed for us to do in Genesis chapter 1, multiply and fill the earth. No, we're going to stay in our own place, we're going to make our own city, and we're going to make a tower that reaches to the heaven. Why? Because we want to be God and we can get ourselves to heaven. They said, we're going to make a name for ourselves." You guys have heard this story. It's called the Tower of Babel. So wickedness increased on the earth, but it was collective. Why? They spoke one language and they were in one place. The city of idolatry. We get the word Babylon and future from the Tower of Babel, the birthplace of idolatry in which men collectively in communicating with each other said, we're going to build a name for ourselves. We are going to make ourselves God. And Genesis 11 records God turning that one language And one people into 72 nations. And spreading out the people all over the face of the earth. Let me read it for you in Genesis chapter 11 verse 6. And the Lord said, behold they are one people and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come. Let us go down and therefore confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth 
and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. (coughs) So you understand (coughs) that they came from one place, one nation, one language, one people, and they were idolatrous. Who does God take Abraham out of? The Ur of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans meaning Babylonians. Babylonians meaning idol worshipers. God takes Abraham from the idol worshipers. And where do they get the idol worshipers? From the Tower of Babel. All the nations on the face of the earth were idol worshipers. And God has dispersed them, but he called out one nation, one people, one language for himself. And that one nation and one language, God would show that his promise was from that man, Abraham, to provide an offspring who will be a blessing to all the nations. And that would be Christ, right? And so the reversal of the Tower of Babel comes about through Christ. So think about the Tower of Babel. It is the anti-gospel. Why? Because God comes down from heaven to earth and he humbles himself to become a servant to save man. Where the Tower of Babel, man is elevating himself to try to reach God, to try to be God. It is the anti-gospel. So all these languages are dispersed in a rebellion against God. So now God reveals himself to one nation to redeem all the nations. Thank you. So at Pentecost, it is the reversal of the Tower of Babel in which the Holy Spirit now speaks to all the nations through the gift of tongues. That all the nations would be blessed to hear the good news message of the gospel. Let me read it for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 11. Both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, and before this, he gives a whole list of other people groups and people from all the nations of the earth, said, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So the disciples, the apostles at Pentecost, 50 days after Christ has died upon the cross, Jesus tells them to go wait in a room and they pray and the Holy Spirit comes upon them in tongues of fire and they begin speaking the mighty works of God in different languages. And what is God doing? He is redeeming that which is broken. The creation in which was was scattered all across the world in idolatrous people, he's bringing them back to be the people of God through Christ Jesus. Our Lord. 
So every tribe, tongue, and nation, what, will worship together in heaven. Amen? So you see the reversal, the wickedness and brokenness of sin. Christ is reversing that. And now he's saying, go make disciples of all nations, of all peoples, of all languages, that they may know Christ and that they may be the people of God. So there's a foretaste of the unity of language that will exist in heaven. Amen? We will all worship the Lord together. In every tribe, tongue, and nation, we will worship our God. But like healings and workings of power, sometimes it just gives us a glimpse of what it will be like in heaven. Message in Acts 2 was the beginning of the gospel moving to all the nations as Jews from different parts of the world now realize instead of inviting people from the nations to become a Jew, no, the gospel was to go to them and the gospel was now for the nations and every tribe, tongue, and language and they were the people of God in Christ Jesus. Amen, that's a mystery of God and it's a beautiful thing. Jesus says, Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. So God's plan in redemption is coming full circle from the Tower of Babel to Pentecost and now the church who is given glimpses of unified language through the gift of tongues. All right? So let's look at it together. Verse 10. Interestingly enough, verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. This is point number one this morning. When we're dealing with tongues, we're dealing with the God who is above all nations, who loves all nations, who wants all nations to know him, that speak as a church a unified language so that they can proclaim and praise God together. God has given the gospel for all nations. God has given the gospel for all nations. We must understand this gift as a speaking gift, right? Just like the gift of prophecy, the gift of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. It is a speaking gift. Why? Because our God speaks. He's not like mute idols. He speaks. And he declares through his people praises and prayer in differing language. Differing languages, excuse me. But this is hard for us, right? Because of our history, the church history with this gift. 
it's hard for us to fathom what are we talking about. And Paul gives pretty clear instructions in chapter 14 for the usage of this gift. Specifically dealing with the public use of these gifts. Let's read together in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. So after the love chapter, in chapter 13, you have this public usage of the gift of tongues in comparison to prophecy. And he says this, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, But to God, for no one understands him, but he unders mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, consolation. We talked about prophecy last week in which the Lord uses to speak to people. And the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. That's a hard statement for Baptists. But even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Right? So intelligible language. Speak the word of God to one another. For their upbuilding, their encouragement, their consolation. Paul continues, and I'm not going to read continuously, but Paul continues to say, if you speak a tongue, you should have an interpretation, which the gift of interpretation of tongues is next. So that speech is intelligible for the body of Christ. Did you guys know that I can speak Thai? I don't know if you know that. Uh, that doesn't really work for you, does it? I said, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus, about the gospel, about the Bible, but you can't understand where the, where's the bathroom. It was a joke. It, it, was, it was poorly landed, but it was a joke. Right? You get the picture. We spent two years in Thailand, so we can speak Thai, but it doesn't give you anything. If I preached in Thai, it would not help you. <laughs> it's not useful to you. That's Paul's argument, right, in chapter 14. If God has given you the gift of tongues, he must give an interpreter in the public setting. So what you're saying is received by all and the church is built up. That's Paul's argument is literally, if you're going to speak in tongues, interpret it so that everybody can hear it. If you have the gift and you use it for yourself, verse 4 states, let's read verse 4 again. 
But verse four states, then you build up yourself. Chapter 14, verse four, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I'll have to be honest. I don't understand all that God does in aspects of this gift in in prayer or giving you a prayer language. All I know is that God is glorified through praise and prayer. Amen? No matter what the language is, God is glorified through that. So, but I do know this, the fruit of the spirit is self-control. So if you have this gift, it is a controllable as not just a trance or it's not just an ecstatic speech as at Pentecost when they're all speaking these languages, they stop speaking. Why? So Peter could share the gospel. He could give the sermon. Paul tells the church in Corinth later in chapter 14, if they have tongues and interpretation, do it with two at most three. The idea is God is a God of order, and in Corinth, they were out of order, in need of correction as it pertains to this gift. The idea is that God is giving us a glimpse of what heaven will be like, right? We have quite a few in this room who speak other languages. I I just want to take a poll, just just for my, uh, if if you speak another language, would you stand up? Yeah, I, I want to. I want to know how many in this room speak multiple languages. There you go. We got we got multiple multiple languages in here. That's great. Thank you. We have multiple languages in this room. <clears throat> Praise God for that. Why? I just put that thing on the board. We need people to cross their own language with the gospel. We need to meet people where they are with. The gospel. Why? Because God is wanting all men to be saved. He wants all tribes, tongues, and languages to be saved. And if we can get a glimpse of what he's wanting us to do in in God's church, then great. But the gospel is now for all nations. And God calls men and women to go to these nations and speak to them. Often it's done in the reversal of the gift of tongues, right? People coming and learning a language and years of study producing an ability to share the gospel in their language. That's what me and Jordan did. We were taught, we learned how to speak in Thai so that we could share the gospel in that language. But sometimes God gives this gift of tongues for us to see that one day in heaven, we will all worship God. Amen? What a God that loves all nations, pictures his love for all nations through this gift. May God give you a passion for the nations through the spirit of the living God. Now, I'm not saying that if you have this gift, you have a passion for the nations. But what I'm saying is we ought to have a passion for the nations. We ought to be spirit-empowered people who love to give of ourself 
to go and reach people with the gospel. Amen. I'm going to stay there. That's, that's all we're going to get today on that. So if you have more questions about the gift of tongues, guess what? I'd love to help you with that, but that's where we're going to stay. Verse 10, to another prophecy, to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits to various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. This is point number two this morning. God desires intelligible speech for the upbuilding of the church. God desires intelligible speech for the upbuilding of the church. This is why there is the gift of interpretation of tongues. God wants the church to be built up through intelligible speech. 1 Corinthians 14.10, there are doubtless many different languages in the world and none is without meaning. But if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. So it is through this intelligible speech we ought to praise God together as the body of Christ. And just as discernment of spirits is given to counter false prophecy, so also interpretation of tongues is given to make sure tongues are edifying to the body of Christ. And God gives balance to these gifts as he gives intelligible speech to his church to build it up. You might think, man, this is crazy stuff, right? Well, we believe that anything that happens as a church is a result of the work of God. So that means that if there is a solid teaching, so if there was a solid teaching in your Sunday school class this morning, it was not because the teacher is good or he is learned. Or he is knowledgeable. It was because it was bathed in prayer. And the Lord spoke through the teacher. If someone was healed. It was because God gave the faith. To someone to pray for their sickness. Anything that happens in God's church is a result of his work and his power. If someone changes their course in their life because of wisdom coming from someone else, it's because the Lord gave them that to speak to someone else. Not because... They are wise. You see, we have to kind of reverse engineer our own thoughts to understand that the gifts are actually given to glorify God. And the gifts that we receive in God's church 
are actually God's grace in our own lives to not become prideful or boastful. If I was to say here, man, I'm a really good preacher. I've lost the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is no longer able to speak into your life through me. Because I'm doing it on my own power. And that may, that may go well for maybe a little while. But after a while, the re- results of that, the fruit of that will come to bear. So anything that happens in God's church, anything that is a result in God's church is a work of the spirit of the living God. And he works through us. So there's no, it's not just, we have a responsibility. And our responsibility is to submit to the will of God and the way of God in our life. Can God use somebody who's unsubmissive? Can God use somebody who is walking in error? Of course he can. He spoke through a donkey. God can use anyone he wishes. But we, as the church, the body of Christ, want to be used by God by us being humble, submitting to the Spirit, and the Lord using us in powerful and mighty ways. So I would say this. I would say if you don't know what your gift is, and if you don't understand gifts, plural, and you don't understand how you're supposed to serve or love or use or give to others within the body of Christ, I would highly recommend that you pray asking God to provide that which you need to serve and to love and to give to the body of Christ here at Northwest. God is at work among his people. He is. I see it. I get to see it. Not that we can get good enough to be used by God, but because we're humble enough to ask God to give us what we need to do his work. God chooses to use his people for his purposes and the exercising of gifts is according to his will, not our own. Let's look at verse 11 together. This will close our time together. I know you're probably sad we're moving away from from the uh, gifted to give series. It's been good. Hopefully it's been challenging to you, but all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is our third point this morning. God gives the gifts as he wills. God gives the gifts as he wills. Not as we want. I may, I may want my brother or sister to be healed I may want to speak in tongues. I may want to be able to teach. I may want to have a faith to pray. 
My desire may be this, and yet God gives the gifts according to his will, not ours. We cannot control who he gives the gifts to, when he gives the gifts, and how he gives the gifts. As much as we want to, right? He gives the gifts. Can we try and take the place of God and say, well, I should have this gift? Now, what the... At the end of the section, Paul writes in chapter 12, starting in verse 29, and the answer to these questions, we believe, is no. He says in verse 29, are all apostles? No. Paul, are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And what's that way? If we're struggling in areas of, we don't believe the power of God is using us in in ways that we can see and understand in the lives of people, what's the excellent way? Paul? He says it's love. The greatest way is not the power of God, but the love of Christ. We need the power of God in his church. We need people who are gifted to give. We need the Holy Spirit using them to upbuild and and console and bring about what God wants to do in the lives of his people. But what we need most is love. And what we need most is the love of Christ. The love of Christ is that which should underlie any church exercising their gifts. If we're the most powerful church by the spirit of the living God in the United States or in Oklahoma and we have no love, we are nothing. Love is the driving force behind a church that glorifies God. God actually gives the gifts according to his will to fit the needs of the body and the work that he wants to accomplish through his church. We should, as a church, ask him to work. We should humble ourselves in prayer and ask him to work through his people for their good and his glory. But while we do that, we love. Amen. So as we watch these things unfold in our church, we should stand back and watch God use imperfect people to display the characteristics of a perfect God through the manifestations of the Spirit. May church, we be willing to be used by God to build this church for his glory. Amen. It's gifted to give. You are gifted to give. What a joy and privilege to be with you this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We thank you for giving us just a glimpse of heaven. 
that we see the beauty of the diversity even within our body of what it will be like when we all with one voice in many languages declare the glory of God. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of all nations, of all peoples, that you are sending God, that you raise up Paul and Barnabas from the, amidst the body to go and to share the gospel in towns and villages, to plant churches and begin new peoples, to be able to be your people. And Lord, we thank you for putting a heart in our church for reaching the nations. And uh, Father, we just wanna be about what you are about. And uh, the things that you wanna do here, Lord, we ask that you would do that, not according to our might or our power or our strength or our ability, but according to you, you and your spirit and the work that you wanna do according to the people that you've given to Northwest. And Father, the church that gathers here at 23rd and Drexel, we pray, Father, that you would gift them with manifestations of the spirit to be used for your glory in the lives of others to build up your church. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for this time that we've had together to study this and understand it as best we can. Lord, we thank you and praise you that you have given us the body of Christ, the church, the people of God. May we be upbuilt and encouraged and consoled as we walk this wicked world together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now is the time to respond to the word of God.